oh, hey, so this podcast is about the personal experiences and identities of the LGBTQ plus community. You might hear some words or phrases about LGBTQ plus identities that don't feel comfortable to you. Let's agree to listen with open hearts and to engage in the conversation respectfully, in context, and with no intent to harm. Please enjoy the show. It's another episode of the Oh Gary podcast, and guess what? It's a classic queer and a episode. I'm just gonna do an episode where I read some of the questions that people have sent me, or asked me, or reminded me about, or whatever else. There's a few of them anyway, and we're just gonna talk about them. And I'm gonna kind of give my experiences and my opinions, and I hope it works. Enjoy. Okay, so as we're getting started, I just wanted to begin with a reminder that these are questions that people have asked me and uh, the answers that I give to them are coming from several places. Uh, My experience, um, my opinions, any knowledge that I might have, and in some cases, ignorance that I might have. I could get something very wrong. Um, And so I would appreciate, you know, patience and understanding If your story and your experience is different from mine, um, that's okay unless uh, something one or the other of us is doing is hurtful to somebody else. So that's what we're going to try to do is not be hurtful to anyone. Um, And if we need to talk about it in community, uh, let's do that. But having said that, let's just jump right into the questions. Okay, here we go. Oh, hey, Kiri. I'm struggling to move forward and feel confident in my transition because I don't think I will ever look like my gender. Do you have any advice for getting more confident in myself? Hmm. Okay. So this is a really common insecurity. I think for all trans and non-binary people, the idea is that Even if you transition, even if you say who you are and do your best to uh, project who you are um, and try to get that externally recognized and validated by other people, that you will not get that external validation, that people won't treat you uh, the way that you need to be treated. Um, and that insecurity comes from any number of things, um, like, uh, for example, in the case of a non-binary person, we very much live and operate in a world that is really only familiar with binaries. And so to get people who will just on the spot recognize and give you that validation of your non-binary gender pretty difficult very difficult um and so it can sometimes seem for people like maybe it's not worth worth it not worth trying another example that i am more personally familiar with would be trans feminine experience 
when a trans woman experiences natal male puberty, testosterone-induced puberty, it changes your body in ways that are very unlike what your typical idea of a feminine gender presentation would be. Um, Things like wide shoulders and hair loss and bone structure in your face, height, things like that. Those are all really common insecurities and fears that trans women have about being able to present and be recognized as their gender. And it's, it's very common. So the question is, how do I get more confident in myself? How do I not let this fear that I won't... Okay, the word we're dancing around here is pass. How, how do I get more confident and feel less insecure about the a fear that I won't pass as my gender? I don't know if it's a terribly satisfying answer, but I, I think the answer is that you don't know that. You can't really know that. I did not ever think that I personally would ever pass as my gender. I was told by people that I never would. But I think the the key is you don't know that. They didn't they were wrong when they told me that I was not ever going to be a good-looking woman. <laughs> they were wrong, right? And they're wrong about you too. And you're also wrong about yourself because you don't know. You haven't given, the, given it the time yet. You need to give it time. Your body needs to work through a lot of things. If you're, if you're a person who's doing hormone transition, your presentation needs work if it's something that you're just brand new at. Society and culture needs education to understand identities and presentations that are different from the male and female binary. And it seems like that's not, obviously that's not prevalent now, but it's getting more prevalent. And in several years time, it's probably going to continue along that trend. And I I think the, the, the hard but simple answer is that you can't see into the future. You don't know what it's going to be like for you in the future. And with any luck, you know, most humans live quite a long time now. So right now, it seems like you're never going to make it to where you want to be. But think about 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now. Things are going to be different. You are going to be different. The people around you are going to be different. Everything is going to be different. And if you're stuck in this idea that everything is just going to be exactly the way it is now, then yeah, you're going to be scared and you're going to feel insecure and you might feel like it's not worth it to move forward. But not everything is going to be like it is now. That's... That's kind of the very definition of the word transition. It's moving from one thing, one place, one state 
to another. Um, so if you're, if you're stuck and fearful in the idea that it's going to be the same as it is now, it's never going to change, it's never going to be different, it's never going to be better, that's a transition that you have to make in your mind and in your heart. If you have a vision for yourself and who you are, you have to believe in that vision. You have to believe in that vision. If you see yourself a certain way and that's what you want, do the best you can to get yourself to believe in that vision of yourself. That's what it's going to take. And then once you start to really believe it, even before you start to believe it, do the work that you need to do to get yourself to believing it. But in the meantime, do the work. And I know, I know that there are all kinds of things and people that are trying to stop you, that, who don't believe in your vision, who want to make you feel bad for your vision of yourself and the world that you want to create around you. And I want all of us to always be safe in everything that we're doing because I know it's not always safe. So there, there are certain aspects of transition or, or, or believing in your vision of yourself externally that may not be safe right now and, and may be really difficult right now, but it doesn't cost you anything within yourself to believe in your vision of who you need to be. And I think that's how you'll get over this fear and insecurity that you won't look like your vision. It's because I'm not sure you believe in your vision yet. And I so want you to believe in your vision. There are so many ways to look and feel and express being human. And I so want you to know that your way of looking and feeling and express being a human is good and right and valid and it's true and you have to give yourself permission to believe in it. Oh, hey, Kiri. My sibling recently came out as a trans man. Cool. I'm doing my best to be supportive with his name and pronouns. Great. And I'm even trying to teach him what I can about being a cool dude. Our parents are supportive too, but he's not on hormones yet and doesn't get treated as a guy by most people outside of our family and friends. It really hurts him, and I'm wondering what I can do to make him feel more affirmed. All right. Well, first of all, that is awesome. Thank you so much for being a loving and affirming family member. And I know everybody... Lots of times when people hear trans people say that, thank you for being a loving family member, they go, well, what else? What what in the world else would happen? And it's hard to explain sometimes that families like yours that are trying very hard and, and being very loving and affirming of your brother are sometimes rare, sometimes unusual. Um, so the fact that your family is doing their best to affirm your sibling um, as they're transitioning is awesome. Thank you so much for doing that. 
To answer your question, how do I make him feel more affirmed? I kind of get the sense from your question. I, I cut your question down a, a little bit to make it shorter. <laughs> but some of the other things that you were writing in the question gave me the sense that you might be thinking of these big gestures, big things, big changes that you can make in order to make him feel more affirmed. And I, my brain kind of went the opposite way to, to very small things that I know make a huge difference for trans people. And so I think I'm just going to give you a couple of really small things that I think will have a very big impact. I would say things like notes, handwritten notes or greeting cards that say things like for the best brother in the world or you're a really great man or um, other other things that are just so normal and everyday, like greeting cards, the greeting card aisle in the grocery store. It's like the most normal everyday thing. But trans people, a lot of times after they transition, they don't get those everyday normal cards that they used to get. So whereas the cards used to say something that didn't reflect who they are, a lot of times they'll just kind of get very generic cards that say, like, you're a great child, <laughs> or I love you so much and I'm so glad you're in my life. But it's really nonspecific. And so I would say a great thing you can do to affirm your brother is really specific, small affirmations, like get a greeting card for him on his birthday that says, happy birthday, little brother, or whatever, or happy birthday um, to the best brother in the world, or things like that. Um, those kinds of things are things that stick with people and are very meaningful. So I've seen, I've seen lots of people on Twitter and Instagram, they, they post and they're so excited. They say, this is the first time I've gotten a card from my wife that says to my wife or, um, or first time my parents gave me, uh, clothes that I feel comfortable in for Christmas or, uh, other things like that. So, so do you, do you see what I'm saying? Just the smallest little thing that says, I love and respect and affirm who you are. I think those are, are really great small ways to make your brother feel more affirmed. Another thing you could do is organize a, a get-together with some of your other guy friends and invite your brother. And I think even if you have to... Um, I think even if you have to sort of prep your friends a little bit and say, hey, I'm really trying to make my brother feel comfortable and affirmed and like one of the guys, can we can we all pull together and, and do that for him? Can we just like hang out together and do our normal guy thing, but not be weird about it at all that he's there and just make him feel so normal? And even if you kind of have to prep them a little bit, if your brother doesn't see it, if it's, it's, if it's a seamless experience for your brother, I think that would just mean so much to him. And 
And then eventually that can become normal and, and you don't have to prep people. You don't have to say, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. And then eventually, if you do that enough times, it'll just be normal. And, and your brother will just feel like he belongs in those spaces. And he does. Some other still small but sort of bigger things that you can do if, though, if they have not already happened. Take your brother shopping for clothes that he really wants and ex help him experiment with style and, and what he wants to wear. If your brother has not gotten a haircut that he wants yet, go with him to the barber that you go to and help him get his first haircut that he really likes and feels comfortable in. I think the bottom line really is the more different ways you can help your brother feel like the everyday normal way of things is that he gets treated as who he is and respected and validated externally as who he is, is more normal, more reoccurring than when he doesn't. And that's going to give him so much strength and energy and confidence to be able to sail through it when when people outside of the friends and family don't get it right. So I guess that's all a very long way of saying maybe the grand gestures, the big, the big ideas, the big showy spectacles of I'm affirming who you are, are maybe not the best way to go. They're nice. They're really nice. But I think the better thing is to just make who he is so normal normal and boring and everyday and i think that's what most people want is to just not have to fight real hard to be recognized for who they are just normal Oh, hey, Kiri. For a long time, as I was coming to terms with being transgender, I externalized a lot of my internalized transphobia. And I said some terrible things to and about trans people. I feel so guilty about it and like I don't deserve to transition now. Will this guilt ever go away? Well, first of all, I just want to say I'm so happy that you have been able to come to terms with who you are and being trans. I'm also happy that you have recognized that some of the things that you said and did to people or about people were as a result of feelings you had about yourself, negative feelings you had about yourself. I think that we've all done and said things that feel bad now, especially in light of if we eventually came out as gay or bi or trans or queer or non-binary, gender fluid, whatever it is that we had some strong opinion or position on that we ended up becoming ourselves 
or realizing about ourselves, I do think that in some form, to some degree or another, we've all kind of been there. And it really sucks. And I'm sorry that you're feeling guilt about it. You do deserve to transition now. Even though you said bad things to people, did bad things, treated people badly because of who they were. You still deserve to be who you are now. Let's be really clear about that. You still deserve to be who you are now. But I think the question is, how do I stop feeling guilty? Or will the guilt ever go away? What can I do to undo what I did before? Well, if you really hurt somebody badly in particular, I do think that you need to go to them and explain. Well, not even explain. You just need to say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. And I'm sorry. Beyond that, I think that this has to be part of your story going forward. You have to, in whatever way that you speak out or help people or mentor people or are an example to people, you have to let them know what transphobia does, how it can poison a person and make them say and do things that are wrong and that hurt people and then try to get them to understand that they're susceptible to that same poison and to tell them that you have the antidote and the antidote is knowledge, information, relationship, getting to know people, caring about stories that aren't just your story and that that's how you, that's how you prevent the same thing that you did, the same things that you said from happening again, from coming out of someone else's mouth, is tell the story. Tell your story. Tell them how you used to be ashamed of yourself and it made you shame others in defense. And then tell them that that was wrong. And then tell them that you no longer are ashamed of yourself and that you love yourself and that it's easier to love yourself when you are doing loving things to and for and about other people. So we've all hated ourselves in one way or another and maybe it turned completely inward or maybe it went outward, but you're not alone and it's okay to move forward and do better now that you know better. one more question um, I hope that you've enjoyed these questions so far I, they've been kind of hard ones actually so hopefully I'm doing a good job <laughs> uh, so here's one that is actually for me it says oh hey Carrie 
What kind of voice training did you do to sound so naturally feminine? <laughs> oh, that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, okay, first of all, I thank you. And I don't know if I agree. Um, I, of course, still have thoughts and feelings about my voice. I don't have nearly as much vocal dysphoria as I used to have, probably because I've just practiced a lot at, at being myself and not censoring uh, the way that I want to talk and the way that I naturally talk. So to expand on that, maybe I have to go backwards a little bit. My current speaking voice is actually more like my natural voice than it was pre-transition. I actually have always had a higher, a higher sounding voice. I've never had a low masculine voice. And so when I was presenting... As a masculine person, when I was living in my assigned at birth gender, I would actually lower my voice to sound, to blend in and to sound more like one of the guys. <laughs> um, I, it was often pointed out to me that in, in bullying situations, in situations where I was being excluded and made to feel ashamed of of some aspect of myself, it was often pointed out to me that I had somewhat of a, I'm doing air quotes here, a gay voice. And you can actually probably still hear that in the way that I talk now. I would be surprised if you couldn't. Probably now that I've pointed it out, it's one of those things that you won't be able to unhear now that you've heard it and I'm doomed forever. But anyway, the point is I did previously make my voice lower than it actually was naturally in order to try to avoid ridicule for what was for my presentation probably a higher than normal voice it it did get me a lot of unwanted attention regardless so i would change it downward and try to sound more gruff and masculine than um i really actually was or wanted to be so then when I transitioned and, and was able to come out and start being more of who I wanted to be, then I was actually able to just return to not changing my voice downward. And, and of course, like I still do or did, did or do some work to continue creating a voice that is more easily more often easily recognized as a woman's voice. And that and that's something we all understand for the purposes of making sure that somebody doesn't misgender us because it's jarring, you know, when somebody sees somebody that looks one way but sounds another way or somebody that sounds one way but looks another way. Like, it's, it's confusing. And so I know as trans people, we very often do as much as we can to avoid that disconnect of look and sound. And I, of course, do that too. Like I'm not exempt from that at all. I, I definitely work, have worked on and, and continue to work on the way that my voice uh, presents me and expresses me. And 
you know, a big part of that has been this podcast. If you go back and listen to the first episode of this podcast, my voice actually sounds very different in that episode than it does now. And I have way less confidence in it. That was the first time I'd ever really recorded my voice post-transition and it scared me. It really scared me. I, it took me a while to be like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm putting up a podcast. I'm doing it. It's my voice. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. It's okay. It's fine. And so I did it. And a lot of you have commented that you really like my voice and that's great. That makes me feel really good. But I don't want to, you know, trick you and say like, I went to this particular vocal coach or I um, did these specific techniques or anything like that. It's actually just kind of pretty close to my natural voice. So as the question stated, what training did I do to sound so naturally feminine? I agree with you on the natural part because it is actually just very close to my natural voice. Uh, The feminine part, I don't know if I agree with you, but again, thank you very much. As for advice for what you can do, um, I spent a lot of time alone as a child. And so as as a coping mechanism for that, I would talk to myself. I would create voices and characters so that I didn't have to be alone. I could use my imagination to have friends. Um, And so as a result, I would talk to myself a lot out loud. And honestly, I recommend that if you are trying to work on your voice everywhere you drive, instead of listening to music, uh, talk to yourself. A lot of times what I'll do is I'll ask myself a question as if I'm being interviewed, like I'm some famous, important person or something like that. I'll ask myself a question and then I will answer it. And I'll just go off as if I'm talking to an interviewer or a friend or someone who has asked me this question. Kiri, how does your voice sound like it does? Um, Just sit there in your car when you're by yourself and talk. Uh, You can do the same thing in the shower. You can do anywhere where you're by yourself and you don't need to feel self-conscious about somebody hearing you if you mess up or if you don't like the way you sound. That's where you can do this kind of a thing. And then you can start to pay attention to what feels comfortable, where your voice goes, where, where, um, where it sits in your face, uh, what kind of music you like to add to your voice, inflections upwards or downwards or vocal fry or whatever style you like to add on to it, whatever flair you like to add on to your voice. Um, that's where you practice it. That's where you get good at it is when you don't have to perform it for anybody else. And I think having techniques, like if you watch YouTube videos or have a vocal coach or anything like that, um, having some techniques and some idea of what to do mechanically within your face um, helps. But I think mainly is just practice and starting to hear and like and get accustomed to the sound of your own voice. Sometimes the scariest thing is opening your mouth and hearing the sound of your voice and then getting scared because you're not sure if it's right or if it's good or if you like it or if it is sending the right message that you're trying to convey to people. And the best way to try to get over that fear of the wrong thing coming out 
is to just talk a lot and get used to the sound of your voice. I'm sorry that I don't really have any techniques or can tell you who to go to for lessons that will, you know, get the results that you want. But I can tell you that it's just a process of getting used to hearing yourself differently than you've ever heard yourself and finding the value in that. It takes a lot of practice. I still don't love everything about my voice, but it's my voice and it's the same for you. And I know that this is not, and none of this is immediately helpful and I'm rambling a lot, but I think it's important to say that it's not so much the sound of your voice that's important, but what you say with it. fun a classic queer and a episode uh sorry that i couldn't have amy record with me but as uh, i said a couple episodes ago our schedules are completely different and it just doesn't work out maybe we'll be able to get back together on an episode soon but otherwise i hope you enjoyed the queer and a if you have any thoughts on my answers if i got something really wrong please gently and compassionately let me know Otherwise, if you want to continue the conversation, you can find me at OhHeyKiri on Twitter, or you can email the show OhHeyKiri at gmail.com. I would also love it if you would go on to Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, or SoundCloud, and or SoundCloud, and give us a like, leave a five-star rating, leave a review. That really helps, too. And if you like the episode, share with your friends. That would be cool, too. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time.